I think that that is live. I think that my mic is, I'm trying to straighten my mic out. I believe my mic is as straight as presidential candidate Tim Scott. Can't get any straighter than that. And wait till that red button on Rockfin goes live so that I make sure. This is a early morning live stream for those on the East Coast. It's a AM late night live stream for those on the West Coast. Some might be getting up early. Some might be coming in late. Either way, I'm cool with both because I, I do a little bit of that. I'm, I'm a late night person. Sometimes I'm an early morning person, like a lot of this are. I think we're live on Rockfin as well right now. Let's dive into this. I can't see the comments on Rumble. So if I don't respond, it's because I'm unable to see them right now because I'm in a, a different setting and I, I just I don't have the setup where I can see it. And I don't want to overtax my system. So let's dive into this. Gutfield has become Colbert. The right has become the left. And it's time to meet heterosexual Tim Scott's very real girlfriend. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story of the day for me is that the left and right have never looked more identical. Regardless of which side of the aisle you're staring at, what you see is the exact same thing. A bunch of warmongering, censorship-happy hypocrites who are the very things that they claim to oppose, who despite what they preach about defending the Constitution, will, when it satisfies their lust for global war, treat our founding document the same way that President Biden treats his four-year-old granddaughter. They'll pretend that it doesn't exist. And then when somebody comes around and reminds them that it does, they will publicly shame and then attempt to censor them. This is the theme that has been on full display for the past week on both sides of the aisle. Hypocrisy in service of propagating World War III. So while the two parties may give the appearance of opposing each other on the domestic front, a very effective divide and conquer tactic, that is. Make no mistake about it, though. On the international front, their goals are very much aligned. They're both sucking at the D of the New World Order. And I'm going to show you a couple of examples of this going on. One on the right that a little bit surprising related to Gutfield that I'm going to show you. And then one on the left that you're a little bit more accustomed to. But they just demonstrate the way that inconvenient speech gets silenced in a variety of creative techniques that the media apparatus and our government has in place, but we can fight against it. And we'll talk about that as well. What both sides are doing is what I've been talking about. Is they're censoring information that's inconvenient to this World War III agenda that they both agree on. So, you know, they might fight over other domestic issues like how big of a penis can a female college swimmer have before they have to start worrying about Lindsey Graham showing up to try and suck it? You know, you're demanding to suck it under the, the civil fortificature law. I'm sure I said that word wrong. Or, or, or they might disagree about issues about whether or not a man has a right to breastfeed his baby coyote inside of a Starbucks while dyeing his hair pink. Those things they'll bicker about domestically. But when it comes to foreign policy, they're gobbling that New World Order knob together just like they always have been, and they're pushing us to the precipice of hell. And the only way that they can, can succeed in their goal of bringing about the, the apocalypse is if they get rid of the biggest obstacle that stands in their way, which is 
the First Amendment and the free speech of every single American. They have to knock that down and make that fall as though it were Joe Biden walking downstairs. And we can prevent it. We can stop it. And the way that we stop it is by not giving in to their propagandistic emotional appeals that attempt to turn us against each other and make us fight while distracting us away from the fact that we are not each other's enemy. We are all subjected to the same mass, wide-scale mass, technically uh, the, the most technically sophisticated psychological operation in the history of the planet. The people that we hate and are angry at are being subjected to the same psyop that we are. And it's not them we need to be mad at. It's the people pulling the puppet strings that we need to be mad at. Because the thing that they fear the most is us stopping, taking a breath, stepping back, and realizing that the puppet master's the same, and together if we cut the string, we can turn our attention towards those who deceive us. And we can put our scrutiny on their push for global war and the things that they lie to us about. Nothing terrifies them more than the public not fighting with each other and all of a sudden asking the questions that they shudder in their boots at once they get raised. And this is the free speech that we must uphold. What they want us to do right now, and you'll see this in these clips, and I have a guest that's going to come and talk to us about this, and I I think you guys will enjoy our guest. What they're doing is they are trying to demonstrate in the media on both sides how Free speech can be applied one way, but as soon as we think something is vile and evil and awful, then our morals dictate it's morally just to silence those who speak things that we think are vile. That's where this uh, Israel-Palestine stuff comes in. You know, there's other topics where that comes in as well, but right now it's heavily focused on this. But here's the thing about thinking that some speech is okay and others isn't under the First Amendment, is while we th- might disagree and hate things that some other people say, think that they're even vile, if we do not defend them, defend their right to say things that we find vile, then they and other people around the country will not defend our right to say things that they, that they think are vile. So we think other people say things that are vile. Other people think that we say things that are vile. And most people can't comprehend. Well, and we can comprehend it, but we don't think about how we perceive other people as saying awful, evil things. And man, they shouldn't be allowed. You know, that's awful that they say that. People think about us the same way. Whatever the reason is, who knows? Is it justified? Maybe it's not. Maybe it's indoctrination and propaganda. But the fact of the matter is, there are people who think that things that we say are vile and awful. I, I've witnessed it in a text message chain today from just the most indoctrinated people that, that I've ever known. My, the friends of mine, completely indoctrinated, but they genuinely believe that I'm like a, a right-wing terrorist because I question authority. And I couldn't be further from that. I, I, I couldn't be more pro-human beings and people and anti-war, yet I'm perceived because of the propaganda that people can that just overwhelms their brain they don't see people as who they are and they don't listen to people for what they say. These propaganda stereotypes that are pumped into people's heads by their preferred media are then projected onto those they conversate with who disagree with them. So we have these language landmines. And so when we talk to people 
who don't share our opinions 100%, I'm not saying you who are listening, but just in general, when, when we converse, as soon as a, a word is triggered that, that triggers this propagandistic stereotype that has come into their head, then that stereotype is then projected onto their friend or family member or whoever they're talking to, and the conversation is over. So it doesn't matter what this person says or how this person came to believe what they believe because everything that they're saying is – every reaction is not to what they're saying. It is to the stereotype that their mind has been programmed with. So these scripted responses that their activism training or their media has brainwashed them with is being projected at this person and nobody's – they might as well not even. They might as well be talking to the effing tree because nobody's fucking listening to each other, and people need to step back and realize that this is exactly what will lead us to the precipice of hell and World War Three, is infighting, trying to condemn speech we don't like, and presuming that everybody who disagrees with us at all is the the simplistic evil stereotype of the other. When that's the, the stereotype hardly exists at all. People are unique. People have uh, uh, reasons they believe what they believe. And people come to those beliefs in a variety of ways. Instead of just responding based on a trigger to in, in a way that our training told us to. I'm talking mostly from the left here. I think you guys probably recognize that now. I think it's a better way to conversate with people to... Ask a question. You know, maybe I thought about just accusing you of being a MAGA Republican because you question the vaccine and think maybe the vaccine hurt a family member of yours. I was about to call you a racist. You know that, right? You know that there are people who've been programmed to when they hear someone say that they're, they think that maybe a family member of theirs. I've told you guys my story. Uh, and I'm not going to go into it now. I'll tell it again another time for those who haven't heard it. Um, the actual evidence would have happened to my dad and my uncle, very consistent with their actual uh, rare side effects, uh, uh, documented studies from, from Google Scholar, uh, Emory Doctor agreed with me. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's fucking crazy that you can't actually like talk about this without people hearing you say, I think the vaccine hurt a family member of mine. And, and in their mind, they say, wow, this is a MAGA Republican extremist. I mean, what the fuck? How, what kind of fucking response is that to someone who thinks that their family, I mean, they have a reason to think that. How about instead, ask them, what, may, what led you to believe that? What, you know, what makes you think that? Because one, listen to the person, not the stereotype. And two, perhaps you'll learn something that might be informative for you in the future. Because believe it or not, people don't say those things to you because they're trying to fucking indoctrinate you into a MAGA cult. They fucking say them because something happened in their lives with a personal experience that led them to believe sometimes it's going to be true. Other times there's going to be other explanations. But either way, led them to believe in a plausible way and they, where they should be asking questions that there was 
an injury from a vaccine. I kind of went off the wall from the plan like I I typically do here. But, But the point is, we've been so fucking brainwashed in society that we can't even have a legitimate conversation at this point about a vaccine that no nobody nobody on the planet thinks is 100% fucking perfect nobody says zero side effects for anyone yay let's suck the vaccines no one i mean people might want to say that but but there are like a number of people in the world who hear some the vaccine hurt my family and what they hear is i hate black people I, I mean, it's like, it's so crazy. And then they think they're so smart. I, I need to, I'm going off the rails here. I'm going to bring my guest in because I'm sure he has a lot to say about this. Uh, Mr. President, I know that I just kind of went crazy there for a second. I got, I get upset sometimes. Well, Thanks for know, joining me. It's completely understandable, Brad. Uh, you know, uh, some people are probably wondering what is, what is, <clears throat> what is Donald Trump doing? Awake at four o'clock in the morning. It's very early. You know, uh, I only need two, three hours of sleep. You know, of that course, that. yes. Uh, you know, I used to say some pretty vile things, and and they didn't mind that when I was a Democrat. No, and, not at you all. Know, because the Democrats are the ones who say some of the most vile things you've ever no, heard. Yeah, no, they masturbate when you, when you say you talk about like furries and and, and killing. You know, innocent animals. They're very horny oh, did, for did, murder. Did you, did you see the the video of the uh, the man who was assaulted by the furry? Yeah, I, on the beach in, in California? Yeah, yeah. That, Huntington that's Beach, the I think. Right there. No, yeah, I did see that. I played some clips of that on the show. I mean, that was a brutal fight. And I got to tell you, I think the furries won. You know, that must have been where I saw it, Brad, watching your show. I've, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was a very interesting. I, what I was surprised about in that instance is, why? Who goes to a beach in a, in a furry outfit? It's like three hundred degrees. Come on, all that sand, all that sand, and you, all, yeah. all that uh, athletic gear that they're wearing. Yeah, you know, right. Your furry ass. Yeah, yeah. Got outfits. Yeah, right. And, and you know, Joe Biden's. You know, Joe Biden's probably there recruiting uh, to fill White House positions at, at this this fight on the beach because you know, you know he's got if, some. If, if if old lazy Joe had uh, it his way. He would have been assaulting me with that megaphone. You're absolutely right, Mr. President. He he would have been wearing that the the short short bunny outfit with the tail, with the he would, the have, he giant... would have taken me behind that uh, behind that uh, set of bleachers. I think that's what he said. He was going to take me behind the bleachers and fight take me. You by... <laughs> no, he likes to grab him by the bleachers. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, he beat up Corn Pop. And corn, yeah, well, this is something I don't understand about Joe. Well, maybe I do understand it. I just maybe my faith in, in people's ability to reason and separate themselves from from their their the brainwashing. I guess is that how do people not recognize how utterly racist Joe Biden has always been? I mean, he he created the crime bill. Yeah, he did. You're right. And he uh, said they're going to put you back in chains. Is uh, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Senator Bird. Senator Bird was him and Hillary's mentor. The, the KKK guy, right? Right. And all he had to do was apologize. Imagine, Brad. What if? What if all I had to do was apologize? But I'm not going to apologize because that's an administ- 
and added minutes of guilt. Yeah, there's there's no reason. You know what? I there's no reason to do so because it doesn't like everything that you do. They just find a way to bend over ba- backwards. I mean, to, it's a witch hunt. It's, it's the totally largest witch hunt we've ever seen. And you know, some of the stuff you were saying earlier, you sounded a lot like me, Brad. You sounded a lot like me. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you? Okay, hear me? I'm frozen. Yeah, my my computer's freezing up here. Sorry. So I think I'm coming back here. Can you still hear me? I'm back. I, I was saying that uh, some of the stuff you were saying earlier, you sounded a lot like me, Brad. You sounded a lot like me. Oh yeah. What What was that? Well, I mean, you know, I, I've said it on your show multiple times, but this is the calm before the storm. Is that what you're saying? That's right. And uh, you know how you can participate in it is not by not participating in the elections in 2024, but by voting me back into the White House. And are you saying the storm is coming as in one of the Kennedys is going to, who people believe are dead, are going to be coming back to life? Is this what I'm hearing here? You know, I really wanted the the whole thing with John John. I, I wanted it real bad. It would have been great. You know, he was a wonderful man. But uh, what I mean by the storm, Brad, is, you know, we've collected all the evidence. I'm taking all the slings and the arrows. No matter how many times that was plagiarized in the in the debate that we lampooned the other day. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, we caught him. We caught him all. And, uh, and it's going to be big. It's going to be bigly. It's going to be the bigliest big you've ever big lead. Well, Mr. President, I, I think a lot of people are probably looking forward to that. And, and the debate the other day, so I was going back through some of that, and um, I, I really did, while it was a kind of boring debate, and it was just, I, I don't know how, I honestly would like to speak to Nikki Haley's press person, her PR person, because I, I can't find anything likable about Nikki Haley. She, yeah. she actually said that her response to Vivek's comment about, which was the double insult about you have two people wear, wearing high heel, Dick Cheney and high heels. So he's calling Nikki Haley ugly and calling uh, uh, DeSantis, uh, you know, a uh, uh, trying to a cross dresser almost trying to lift his height and Nikki Haley's response to the insult of your Dick Cheney in high heels was not no I'm not it was yes I am and I keep ammunition in my high heels and they're five feet five inch high heels and and then she she was so excited about that rebuttal to Vivek that the next day she tweeted the same thing out to the world as though people thought that was like a, a great, you know, slam dunk on, on anybody. She, she's like, I love killing people. I'm going to reiterate that. What, what are your thoughts on this? I mean, well, you, you, you said that the comment uh, was about her being ugly when, uh, you know, it was more so about her being a warmonger. I think you were tiptoeing around that. Uh, oh, you think I was, I was projecting a little bit there? You know, I, I don't think that Nikki Haley's an ugly woman. I think she's an ice queen. I think well, she's okay. Got what about heart, Dick but... Cheney? So you're saying she's more attractive than Dick Cheney? She's oh just an yeah, ice she's queen. definitely more attractive than Dick Cheney. You know, yeah. Dick Cheney's just really not my type. I don't like fat. <laughs> I, I don't like fat people. You like fat men, obviously. Yeah. I don't like fat men. I don't like fat women. 
I don't like horse faces, you know, uh, but, you know, the ice queen, uh, you know, even I get those text messages, Brad, you know, the ones where it's like, donate, donate now, donate now. If you don't donate, the end of the world is coming. You get the ones from Kamala and them? No, no, no. I I usually get them from uh, most of my competition. Yeah, I get them pretty frequently. Nikki Haley's last one said that she dominated the last debate. Yeah, do you think that's uh, true? I do not think that's true. I, I, I really just don't think she's that likable. I don't either. I, I can't imagine being her husband or her children. I think that they're probably very sad. Well, you know, whose children aren't sad, mine. Your children, they... They what? What was that? You you broke up. Uh, sorry, my, I, I put the... Audio came up. I was trying to make sure the stream was still running over here, and it is. Uh, um, so, yeah. So your your children, your daughter testified at that trial, that fraud trial recently, right? Is that correct? Uh, they're, they're trying to make all the children testify. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what I thought was funny is, so Vivek brought up during the uh, debate, he brought up how Nikki Haley's daughter was on TikTok and she's 25 and she's married to Tim Scott and her, her opponent in the, the race for president. And she said, get you my daughter's name out of your mouth. Yeah, she I'm, went full, full she, Will Smith. On. Right, totally. She's a snap, snap. Well, snap you know, her. it's, it's not that he's, she's married to Tim Scott. She's married to Tim Scott from an alternate, Parallel he's a, timeline, a time where, traveler. Yeah, he's a younger. Where Tim he's Scott. younger, and, and nobody's Tim talking Scott's about right that. Now. Nobody's talking about how there's two Tim Scotts in our timeline, and that time travel exists. That's the big story. Well, you know, at least they haven't run into each other. Yeah, that that'd be big, bigly, bigly trouble. And they'll start disappearing. I don't know what time travel theory you believe in. I don't know if it's the uh, the MCU or the Back to the Future. Do you have a thoughts on which theory? I mean, Back to the Future was first. Uh, I like to, you know, I'm a big fan of that Matthew McConaughey. I like that uh, Interstellar. Interstellar, uh, yeah. You know, uh, but like the MCU, come on, Brad. They're it's... they're just really uh, they're doing a lot of pandering that that MCU. You're not a uh, Captain Marvel fan. I, I'm sorry. You're not a Captain Marvel fan. Oh. Uh, Please, uh, let's let's just say again, she's not my type. I think she spends a lot of time in the box eating a little box. If you, I mean, that movie looks terrible, Brad. I heard it was pretty. I heard it was pretty bad. So, Mr. President, I want to I want to play you something that demonstrates what I was talking about at the top. I think that you can agree that censorship is a big problem right now in this country. You've had a gag order put on you to where a judge is trying to tell you you can't even speak about how you're being persecuted in these trials. And they also won't let cameras into these trials, at least the one that you're in with the quote fraud case in New York. So if anybody understands censorship, it's you. And censorship is something that historically, if you look at what happens leading up to World War I, leading up to World War II, they always censored the dissidents. They, they, they imprisoned uh candidate for president back, I think it was in the 1920s, uh, 
I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but the candidate continued running for president despite being in prison. But the reason they put this candidate in prison, because this person was anti-war and vocalized that to his audience and, and people who voted for him. And so they shut him up and put him in prison. This is typical when they want to bring us to, to the, the apocalyptic hell of war. And so I, I want to show you the clearest example, in my opinion, uh, of how the right has become the left. So you're familiar with Greg Gutfield, I'm sure, yeah, of Fox yeah, News. Yeah, I'm familiar with Greg. So Gutfield's show, Gutfield's not a comedian, but he hosts this stand-up, not stand-up, this late-night show that is considered a late-night comedy show, and it's called Gutfield, and it rose to the top and became number one in the late night comedy show viewership uh, ratings. And, and the, the way that he achieved this goal was by following a simple strategy, which was not being the pretentious, cock-sucking, media cock-sucking uh, uh, cucks that all of the other shows became. Every other late night show that people used to love and adore, I did myself, abandoned comedy and replaced comedy with propaganda talking points just in a bit of a different format where all of them talked about the same thing every night, all of them said the same joke every night, and all of them had a very clear point of view, which was that of the Biden government and the progressive leaning left, and that they hate you. It was nothing but propaganda, and it lost its humor, and they all were pretentious, and they all spoke in a way where they looked down on people. I mean, Colbert had people dress up like freaking vaccines and dance around to try and get people to go get the jab as though that were funny. And people hated it, and Gutfield simply didn't do that, and he mocked them right? Everything they said was ism, ism, racist, right? So Col- so Gutfield had a formula for success, which he has now abandoned because the right has now been tasked with also promoting this global war. And Gutfield well, now, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, Brad, I've, I've watched the show a couple of times and it's, it's a real shame. Uh, it's a shame what they're doing to comedy for one thing, but also sure. it's a shame that these these so-called right-wing comedians that he brings in uh just really aren't that funny brad you know they it's should, yeah people yeah. like you you know need to get back into the stand-up circuit you need to bring it back so uh, well Do i think we've talked live about shows this. brad reach a we've, live audience we've talked about this before mr president so the, the live audience that I, I used to perform form in front of on a regular basis was a very uh, a liberal leaning audience, but typically great. But nowadays, it's you know a lot of a lot of theaters are try they they try to determine if you're an ally for the LGBT community before you come in, so they can find out how much time you're allowed to have. If you're gay and you're a woman, I don't know if you saw the new South Park where where uh, Cartman. Plays the character, the Disney character, where he says, uh, uh, Kathleen um, Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy from Disney, may, you know, put a chick in it and make her gay. And it's very. Usually, uh, she's, she's in charge of uh, Lucas Films. 
you got a lot of film information. That's that's well, true. you know, Brad, I got to keep up on things. I got to know what's going on. I, I act, get dossiers. Right. You got all the dossiers from the actors. You're right, though. So, so the demo, the audiences, I think, have kind of segmented when it comes to live performance. And I am going to start doing more, more, more live stuff. But I think I'm going to be going to the suburbs and the country. I, I think that I think the city is like, you know, I, 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 it's just it's too. People go there ready to be offended to a lot of things. I haven't had any bad experiences though, so I will, I will say that I'm just. You know, I only get a minute on the stand-up stage because uh, I'm not uh, considered to be a, a feminist ally or gay, so I get segregated to the back. Well, you know, they're all just uh, they're all just getting their minutes from uh, from the BlackRock daily. <laughs> yeah, uh, but daily. the ES- BlackRock's giving some of that ESG money to the uh, the three-person audience stand-ups stand-up shows going on around Atlanta. Yeah, all the all the. Uh, all the improv shows that are just being viewed by other people that do improv. Yeah, Larry Fink is sitting in the back, the the CEO of BlackRock, uh, uh, shouting equity. Uh, okay, let me get uh, a relationship between uh, these two. They're you discussing know, uh, equity. How, how, how do people not even see it? The guy's last name is Fink. Yeah, Larry Fink. He's just and he talks about he's yeah. a Fink. He's a white male who's getting getting rich off of convincing people that he's standing up for minorities. <laughs> he's not. He's just exploiting. They're all full of shit. Dude. He's the worst type of racist. So, Mr. President, I know I went. He is. I went into this clip, and I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. I'm getting it up here. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this story because I just think it's the funniest story, and it got very little attention. I did cover it. So there's a Bank of America story uh, maybe a couple of months ago where they they ended up having to pay like uh, $200 million or something to customers that it was revealed, it was exposed that they had been defrauding for 12 years or so. And, and there was a number of ways they'd been defrauding people. One of them was if someone, many of their customers, if they tried to take money out of their accounts and they overdrew their account, it wouldn't just charge them the $135 fee for overdrawing. It would double charge them. And it had been double charging these people for a decade. And so it's just kind of funny to me. I mean, it's not funny for those people, but Bank of America was abusing their customers who were in the most difficult of situations. Because if you're overdrawing your account then you're broke and you're struggling, right? And so Bank of America is like, oh, are you having a hard time? Fuck you. Let me tack on an extra $35 every time you try and get a little money for food. And this, along with a number of other of ways, they were just fucking their, their least wealthy customers over was exposed and they had to pay this big settlement, which was like the fourth, like, multi-million dollar settlement that they've had to pay in, in 12 years. And it's added up to just, they're so corrupt. And I thought it was just hilarious because the CEO of Bank of America on the day that this story broke was not in this country. You want to you know where he was? Where was he? He was in the UK inside the castle with the King of England 
And it wasn't just the two of them. He was there with the king over at Windsor, and they were hanging out with Larry Fink of BlackRock and none other than President Joe Biden. Uh, you know, the, the Western Central Bank, Brad. It's, it's just unbelievable. It was one of the biggest scandals in Bank of America. I mean, Bank of America's had a lot of scandals, but just the abuse. And their CEO was at the fucking castle with Larry Fink, the king, and President Biden. And nobody covered the shit. I did. Very few other people did. But I'm like, this is just, it's laughably hilarious how corrupt these pieces of shit are. You know? And, well, and, I mean, it's yeah. the deep state, Brad. It is. The, there the was, deep state spreads far and wide. It's not just here. It's in every single j- country. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Just like Lindsey Graham's asshole spreads it's far. It's just the Illuminati rebranded. To- totally. You know, there was a, uh, so what, not, DeSantis was being interviewed today. And DeSantis, I didn't see the whole interview, so I don't want to project any context in it. But what I read about it was that he said something about how people's children are off limits, which I think that's kind of a cucky thing to say, because I think Vivek talking about, uh, uh, you know, Haley's daughter on TikTok with uh, time traveling, Tim uh, Scott. I think that that's perfectly fine because Vivek explains it correctly. But DeSantis thought he needed to take the position or unless the context when he says is different. So I might, I, I might be wrong on this, but based on what the article says and the articles lie, but he said they're off limits. And, and then when he said that, I think they baited him into saying that. So right after he said that they, they said, well, how come you're going after Joe Biden's child Hunter as though Hunter Biden is like seven years old and not a 54 year old man. Like that's what they really did. Have you ever met Hunter Biden, Mr. President? I mean, Hunter's a slimy, greasy. He's definitely, he's definitely greasy. You know, he's not even human. Too much. He might not be human. I was really disappointed, actually, in the Hunter Biden movie made by the right. I thought that they kind of made a joke of themselves making that the way they made it. Because they could, they could have actually, like, uh, did you ever see that? The Hunter Biden movie it was made by the, I think the director was a guy in Goonies and, and Johnson and Johnson from Die Hard. I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, yeah, yeah, I never saw that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's not, so they have all the information and they kind of made the movie kind of like a, it was a Ben Shapiro. One of the, it was just such a caricature that it's like they're just trying to sell tickets. If They, they should have actually made like something that, Anybody who didn't already agree with them might like watch because it's like they were they didn't get you know, ass. One thing real quick. I'm not surprised my vice president race Bannon's the biggest loser out of hey, the out, dude. Republican National. Right. Committee. I appreciate you standing out in the rain for this, Mr. President. I know it's well, you know, outside. I'm taking all the slings and arrows. I really like the rain. <laughs> So I'm going to play some of this and then I'm going to tell you some of my thoughts on, uh, and I want to premise this with, I, I don't, the, the people that Gutfield talks about as the subject of these jokes, I don't agree with the, this is a squad, you know, Rashida Tlaib and all these other jokes. I don't agree with them. I think they're crazy. I think they're activists. I, I think they, they organize and they manipulate people into, to doing direct action uh, events that, that, 
they don't do themselves. It gets them in trouble. I think they're con artists just like everybody else. However, I also will defend their right to say things, like I mentioned earlier, that I disagree with and think are vile. Because if we do not defend people's right to say things that we do not like, they won't defend ours to do the same, and the whole country will collapse. That wall between us and just totalitarian World War III. Like, that's how we stop World War III, is people fucking speak up and we defend the right for people to say things we don't like. And then we talk to those people. We talk to those people who say things we don't like. Instead of just assuming that, that they are uh, um, what are, are the stereotypes projected at us, tell us they are, we try and understand. And, and we come to a, a more common understanding and a more common ground, and we fucking prevent World War III. And the First Amendment is just so important for that. And... and to go after this, like, this is crazy to me that some of these people took these positions. Here, here he is, Gutfield, and I cut like five or six clips from this, talking about Rashida Tlaib getting censured from, uh, by the House. Right. Right. Sit down! Sit down! Sit down! <laughs> Happy Wednesday, everyone. So if you were going about your business yesterday and suddenly felt the earth shudder on its axis, it's not because Jerry Nadler tipped over. Damn. No, it's that Congress actually got something right. In a bipartisan vote, the House of Reps censured Rashida Tlaib. Okay, so they got something right. Uh, they, they censured Rashida Tlaib. Now, now this, so the, the more this set goes on, this monologue goes on, the more he is indistinguishable from Stephen Colbert. If I, if I read this monologue on paper and nobody told me who it was that wrote it, I, I, might, I might speculate, oh, that sounds like a Stephen Colbert or, or a, a Jimmy Kimmel monologue. And if somebody said, oh, that's actually Greg Gutfield, I would be surprised because Greg Gutfield, as I said, rose to the top, even though he's not a comedian, by not being those other guys and by claiming to be a, a, a fighter for free speech. And, and they didn't ever take themselves too seriously, but... You'll see throughout this, they become everything they condemn. And so here's what happened. I don't know if you heard about what happened with, with Tlaib, but they, they censured her. And again, I, I don't, I think Rashida Tlaib or Tlaib or whatever, I, I think mostly she's terrible. And I don't, I, she's, I have never in my life defended Rashida Tlaib ever. But, but this is bullshit the fact, I, I know censure, when you censure somebody in the house, let, let, let me, what, what that is, a censure is defined as a formal statement of disapproval by the house. And according to the house, it's a way to, it's a formal rebuke that registers the house's deep disapproval of member misconduct. And it's considered a serious disciplinary action. However, it, it doesn't go as far as like expulsion. And there's no, uh, a fit, she doesn't like, they don't take rights away from her. It's just like an official notice of this person's an asshole and a demon. Type. It's a public demonization type thing. And it's one step away, in my opinion. It even sounds like censor. Censure, censure. That if, if we start to push to the edge of this, what's next? Okay, because, because I didn't know this about Rashida Tlaib until I was researching her last night. She is the only Palestinian-American 
who is in Congress. Now, her parents, they, they both were born and grew up in uh, one of them near, I think her mom near the West Bank and her dad near Jerusalem. So she has a little bit of a history there. And, it, you know, this is the only Palestinian American. And look, I, I get that the whole stuff is complicated that's going on, but you're really going to call up the one? And so people might say, well, she's supporting and promoting Hamas. And he, here's what they claimed. Uh, um, this is the censure resolution accuses Tlaib of, this is a quote, promoting false narratives. That's why she was censored. She was promoting false narratives, right? I mean, think about the irony of that. The irony uh, of, a, a of a government body censuring someone for doing the thing that they have done nothing but traffic in for as long as I can remember. That is what they do is traffic in false narratives. If they truly believe that's what she's doing, they should give her some sort of promotion and medal because that's what Congress does. Yet they're censuring her, and it uh, you got you have declassified documents, Mr. President. Is that what you're saying, Mr. President? Are you still there? Yeah, Brad. I, I have some declassified documents to look over. I, I got to get going, Steph. <laughs> Okay, all right. I'll give you a few more minutes. Uh, um, well, what are your thoughts on on so Rashida Tlaib being censured? So they accuse her of, of of supporting Hamas, which she denies that she she actually made a statement where she said that that uh, what was her exact statement? Oh yeah, she said that what what she was accused of that that her speech is trying to be policed and that the criticisms of her. Uh, or that her criticisms have been of the Israeli government and Netanyahu's actions, which I don't disagree with that. And she says it's important to separate people and governments and that she uh, can't believe she has to say that the Palestinian people are not disposable. Uh, um, and then she says, we are human beings. Now, again, 99% of the time, I don't agree with her, but I don't feel like she's wrong in those statements there. What, what do you think? I don't feel like she's wrong either. I mean, that, those are some... Those are some heavy, heavy accusations to be thrown around on somebody. It seems like if you're going to have those accusations, you have to back it up with some type of evidence. Right. And they don't do that. And it's this whole idea of like. It reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, what we did in World War II, the very despicable of the. Uh, internment camps for japanese citizens yeah it's a great that's a great point it's it, it, you know uh, um a I lot mean, of those things you're, you're talking <laughs> yeah. about peace brad which i'm i'm all about i'm all about peace yeah you are if i was to be reelected i could have this whole thing settled in 24 hours you know Zelensky came out publicly recently and said he disagrees with that he says he doesn't believe you could do it in 24 hours well you know he's a really really terrible actor so <laughs> what does he know and like, yeah what does he know he dresses in jumpsuits right and he's single-handedly in his jumpsuits you know f fueling the the uh, cocaine market around the world with as much blow as this guy does well i mean you know uh i'm not saying i'm pro-russia but uh they did find an awful lot of bio labs over there awful they did yeah that were tied to none other than Senator at the time, Barack Obama, who signed the financial release for them. Well, I'm surprised Barack Obama had enough time to go do that when he was, you know, 
gobbling so much knob and doing so much crack over there in Chicago with Larry Sinclair. Uh, well, I mean, Brad, what if, if they discovered all that in the Ukraine after NATO pushed Russia to respond and then they discovered that? Imagine what could be hiding in Taiwan. We don't know. It just Barack Obama is probably hiding, and Barack Obama probably there, loves there Taiwan. There could be biolabs all over the place. There was a story about a biolab found in California that was connected to China a few months ago. Did you hear about that? It had all kind of like crazy. I mean, it was like like wild chemicals and experiments that they were experimenting on animals and stuff. They found like like a hundred or something dead rats. Yeah, they were. Yeah, it's, it's wild. And uh, you know uh, the people that the people that just uh, you know let people like Anthony Fauci up. That's why I like that Rand Paul so much. He's just nailing Anthony Fauci, just continuously Anthony. nailing him. Uh, you know he he fed all those dogs to bugs. He's he's a despicable person. He's a piece. Of, Anthony Fauci is a piece of shit. He, he he's a he's people people who are not don't do any research think he's like a scientist. He's not. He he has been a a, a a public relations spokesperson for quote science for his entire, you know, he's five foot one. Did you know that too? Yeah. And, I didn't know that. Yeah. I've, I've we can't even talk times. about him yeah, because uh, he's Jewish. So it's anti-Semitic. And then on top of that, you know, he was pushing that six feet apart agenda since uh, the eighties with AIDS. Well, right. Yeah. He, he was, um, he single-handedly spread AIDS to, you know, I've actually seen him eat those bowls of cigarettes. Oh, guys, gonna say eat those bowls of AIDS, but yeah, no. Anthony Fauci every morning he gets up and he, I, I, I get a bowl of cigarettes and I go spread some AIDS and uh, trick people into thinking they're getting a cure. You know, they're it, lit cigarettes, right? No, he he will never eat a cigarette that's not lit, and and if he does happen to swallow one that's not lit, he gets up, he puts a chair, and he stands on the chair, and then he beats his wife. I've seen He's, him do it. I've seen him do all those things. You know, one time I was eating the Big Mac, he tried to. Pour those cigarettes out of my big bag. It was like taste it, taste it. Wait, yeah, he tried, he tried to like a face. condiment. I punched him right in the face. You put you put. So you and Fauci are at like a McDonald's. You you get a Big Mac and he and he's like, right, hey, why don't you try these condiments? And he starts squeezing cigarettes onto your your Big Mac. That's right. It was disgusting. One of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. You know, he sweats a lot too. What's it smell like? Uh... He smells like sulfur. Oh, right. Like Hillary Clinton. That's what he yeah, smells like. Barack so Obama. All of them. All those demons. Uh, so if you got to go, let me play one more for you before you get out of here because he gets in a little bit deeper. of. I just kind of want to share the progression of... of I feel bad because like, it's sad to see Gutfield fall into the same trap that Colbert and them are falling into. For even 22 Democrats to leave statements blaming Israel and America for the 10-7 attacks while calling the Hamas massacre resistance were simply too much. Drew, Tlaib is so nutty, she's asked not to sit near people with allergies. All right, so that didn't happen, what he just said. 22 Democrats did not blame America and Israel for the attack and then praise Hamas. that, That just... that. I mean, I get he's doing a quote comedy show, but like that was such a, a stretch of uh, uh, an imagination when it comes to reality that it's like, what well, it's such an deliberate attempt to demonize people who question the perspective that he holds on this topic. And 
It's like, well, why do you have to just say that someone who, who but given Talib and them are probably not just asking questions, but who are saying, what, what about these people who don't like the, the government of Hamas or, or, or what I would say is the people who don't like Bibi Netanyahu and think he's full of shit because Bibi Netanyahu is not liked in Israel. He is not liked. He's a piece of shit and his people don't like him. And he's hiding away in a bunker that a billionaire owns while he's sending off people, uh, other people's children to go die while his son is fucking shoving crypto in his dick hole on Miami Beach. Okay, They don't like Bibi Netanyahu. And the Hamas leaders are fucking sucking each other's buttholes in, in Qatar. Okay, it, it, they're, they're chess players who shake each other's head, who play each other, Hamas and Bibi Netanyahu's government. They have a good game of chess, just killing each other's pawns who they don't give a shit about. And then after the game's over, they, they, suck, e- they suck each other's uh, taints, shake hands, butt fuck, and then they go their own way. They don't yeah, they would Brad, they what, what you're talking about, it's, it's been going on for, for, you know, since uh, established government, exactly what you just described. Yeah, exactly. We, we just send <laughs> our children to die. You know, I really think the pirates had it right. The ones who tried to settle in the West Indies. Yes, right. It, it, no, and what happened to the ones who settled in the West Indies? Do you have any more detail on that? I mean, they ended up ultimately being destroyed by the British. Yeah, of but course. They, uh, the crown. You know, and the, uh, Larry Fink. They, uh, I believe it was the 1600s, uh, were the late 1600s, were. Uh, they were they were trying to establish their own government in the West Indies, and uh, then they'd go out and they'd pillage Spanish and and British uh, 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 supply ships, and then any of the slaves on there, they'd free the slaves and have them come join their uh, their established uh, small chaotic government. The the pirates did. They welcomed them in to the government before before Fauci came around and, and gave everybody AIDS, is what you're saying. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. There's, so, there's a great uh the great pirate kingdom, I believe it's called. It's on Netflix. Yeah. All right, I'll check it out. Thank you for the recommendation. So so Gutfield, and I look I looked this up, Gutfield got in trouble. I say in trouble with Fox News like six months ago or something. And it had to do with, with Jewish people. Like he said something that he was like strongly, I didn't see this, but he was strongly condemned about. And so I'm wondering if this has anything to do with, with this kind of, uh, um, like, like he sounds exactly like Colbert when he starts, like Colbert says, everybody who's a MAGA Republican is a domestic terrorist, and uh, they are crazy. And he go he goes on to actually talk about it. like he's taught. It's good to censor MAGA Republicans. It's good to censor people who who question his uh, position on the Israel situation or whatever the Fox's position is. It's it's no different. It's the same thing. Yeah. And January sixth, yeah. the setup was only one day. Uh, The summer of love lasted an entire summer of jazz. Uh, uh, Are you ever like, do you ever have an urge to maybe say, you know what? I, I, it was a one day setup. I'm the only one who could have done it. I'm guilty just to kind of like 
impress people? Uh, you know, Brad, I, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, but I mean, it was a total setup. There, there were people that, uh, it was, yeah. Like I know people that know people that were there and were political prisoners for, for a, an amount of time. Right. And, uh, we're uh, the constitution promises us, us, uh, a, a speedy and fair trial, which they're not getting. They're just being buried no. underneath some prison. Somewhere. Absolutely. And that's important right now. So like, like you're getting like, persecuted, free speech is being silenced. Who are these people? Like who's the QAnon uh, Swami, right? What is he? Nelson Mandela? Well, no, they would they would never call him that. They would call him a terrorist. And you know, they'll, they, you know, they were doing like a manhunt for a January 6th person uh, yesterday. I, I didn't, I hadn't followed up on the story yet, but I saw that. And I'm like, there, there's a manhunt, like and, and like helicopters and shit, like trying to find a find someone who who walked through an open door or maybe broke a glass. That seems a bit extreme and a waste of resources. You know, yeah. all Joe Biden does is waste resources. He threatens to use F-18s on his own people. All right, and he sends billions of dollars to cocaine addicts and and uh, that ends up in Nazis after threatening his own people. Here's what Gutfield, so Gutfield made a comment. This was in July. He was talking about, so he made, basically made a comment about how the Jews that survived the Holocaust were the ones who developed skills which could be applied for their own personal benefit. And that was a comment that he got badly, like, it was apparently looking at his Wikipedia, the worst thing anybody could ever say. So I am wondering, cause that was not long ago. It was a few months ago. Uh, I'm wondering if, so, so like the daily beast reported that an unnamed Fox employee uh, said that Gutfield's statements were dis- a disgusting thing to say. And that his career would, will be over because he said that uh, I'm wondering if how, so gut, how aggressive he's going with, with this stuff right now has anything to do with that? Because uh, the reason I pulled these clips is because I've been watching, you know, watching clips of this for the past, you know, two weeks, and, and he has got the show has gotten progressively more awkward. It's gotten progressively less fun. So I never thought like the monologues are funny. They're they're very sophomoreish. It's very like surface level, you know, Mad Libs type joke writing. But still, because they didn't take themselves too seriously in the delivery, you can have fun with it. You know, and that's, you know, that's part of the performance. Um, whereas you, you watch the other late night shows and they take themselves so seriously and we must get this man. And it's like, you're such an asshole. Nobody likes you. Uh, but I, I noticed Gutfield started to take the same type of attitude and demeanor as all these other guys and, and all the fun was sucked out of it. And that's why I looked him up and pulled these clips. And I wonder if he's controlled, of course he's controlled. It's a stupid question. I mean, come controlled. on, Brad. Project Mockingbird, just look it up. All right. Well, here's one more for you. Now, censoring doesn't really amount to much. It's the congressional equivalent of fining Hamas for trespassing. But it seems the Dems are finally waking up to the out-of-control monsters they've created. It's probably how Steve Ducey felt when Peter turned 12. Here's how Tlaib's fellow squad monsters tried to defend her. All right, so before we play this, Tlaib is a Palestinian, right? 
And he continues to refer to her as Hamas and a monster. Now, separating anything about her past, I don't like anything that she's really, I disagree with everything that I've ever heard her do up until some of these quotes about that she said uh, from earlier that I read. But it doesn't really seem cool to continually call someone who is legitimately a Palestinian American, their parents are from there, the only one in Congress, to continue referring to her as Hamas. That, that is a, I mean, that's some pretty extreme demonization, in my opinion. And it's just such a right turn from the kind of laid back, oh, F all these censorship demonization, because that's what Colbert and them do. Colbert and them and Kimmel and the fat guy who's not on anymore and Seth Meyers, they're the ones who abandoned comedy to spend all of their, their fucking their, their time talking about how everyone's a racist, everyone's a white nationalist, everyone's a Nazi because they agree with you, Mr. President, because they agree with Trump. And now here's Gutfield who used to rail against that. And that's the only reason this show uh, gets viewers now doing the exact same thing by insisting on referring to, to I mean, that tells me that, that the view here is that there is no difference in people who are, are committed the acts of terror, Hamas, and people who uh, are Palestinians. Now, maybe some people do agree with what they did, the terrorists, and, and they support it. But, you know, I personally would not want to be held responsible for everything Joe Biden did because I disagree with it, and I think a lot of it is awful. So I don't think we should apply a different standard to, to others that we would— up one applied to ourselves your thoughts uh you know i uh i'm all about name calling but i know that yeah but yeah i think uh i think he's been a bit ridiculous a little racist uh you know if 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 uh if if they're accusing her of such high crimes she should be investigated for sure absolutely and she should get due process just like you and anybody else should right Absolutely, absolutely. And so he presents this setup here as here are how her monstrous friends defended her monstrous position, this Hamas person who who the, she is actually she's openly said that she's not like she she's differentiated between the Hamas, but he won't do it. But listen to this first clip that he plays. That is his example of how awful of a defense was presented for her. And I, I do not like this person who they're about to play, but I don't disagree. But what she says to me, I'll let you guys hear it before. I, I don't want to poison the well. Here she is. It's that American flag. Right. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Okay, so that's the, the chick who is pretty good looking. I can't remember her name. The one who everybody says married her brother and they got divorced for some sort of immigrant. I, I, I can't remember I think she's kind of hot, honestly. Uh, um, I don't know what she looks like when, when uh, you know, the hijab is off or whatever it's called. But her statement there, while she said it aggressively, okay, like it, had she not said it so aggressively, it wouldn't have seemed so intense. But she made the statement that 
they're they're accusing them of not being humane while they're just not giving a rat's ass about of course she said tens of thousands of palestinians dying so the numbers which people get caught up on and you know are they're everyone's lying about the numbers the people from uh gaza uh, uh the number they're, they're going to inflate the number and is israel is going to minimize the number and the truth is going to be somewhere in between but the point that which i hate when they do that i hate when these politicians exaggerate things that they don't need to exaggerate if you if you can make a point without exaggerating in my opinion it's going to make you far more credible because I think we've reached a point in time in society where people have become a, a little little more awake to these rhetorical tactics and, and, and blown out numbers and lying with statistics than we used to be. And I think once they recognize that, it makes them go, all right, this person's full of shit. I'm done listening. Uh, but Gutfield set that up by saying that this was going to be a radical defense of a Hamas terrorist was what he set that up as. And all she said was, you're calling us inhumane when you have not acknowledged or shown any concern for the people who are dying on, on the other side of this that weren't involved in it. And to me, if you take away her screaming, that's not really a radical statement. What, what do you think? Did I lose you, Mr. President? No, sorry. Uh, you're right. I, I, I agree. I don't think it was a radical statement. It's just uh, for somebody who's a radical that was not a very radical statement. Right. She and, and like she usually is very, very radical. It, it's like crazy because these are the people who, who uh, organize and send people out to put their bodies on the line for these stupid protests to go do die-ins and congressmen and women's offices. And, and they just fill people's head with bullshit usually, which it kind of sucks for them because it's like the, uh, um, the boy who cried wolf is they've spent so much time being full of shit that when they say something that actually isn't that radical, th then nobody's really going to listen to them. Mr. President, if you have to go, cause I know that you had to go, um, you had to go uh, make sure some classified documents were okay. Then yeah, declassified, declassified. Of course. Yeah. It's, uh, you would never have anything. You declassify them. Uh, you're free. You're free to go. Just get, just let me know. And I, and I won't, uh, don't feel like you need to stay for me is all I'm saying, Mr. President. Yeah, Brad, I, know you're so I really polite. hate to do it, but uh, I, I think I need to go. I, I got some really important things to take care of. And then, well, you know, next week I got to go back on the campaign trail and visit New York City again. Right. Well, I, I'll tell you this. Before you do that, I hope that you beat RoboCop on PlayStation. Hey, you know, I'm a big RoboCop fan. I know that you are. Thank you for joining us, Mr. President. And we'll do it again soon. Have a fantastic night. Hey, thank you, Brad. Remember, let's make America great again in 2024. All right, Mr. President. Talk to you later. Have a good one. All right, y'all. I'm going to continue to uh, play these clips for, for a little while then we get out of here because I want to get through these clips uh, of Guffin. Look, if, if you guys disagree with, with this, let, let me know. I, I'm just... it. it it's just... You li listen to this stuff and you hear all the opinions and everything is so radical and everything seems so unreasoned. And I, I just personally don't like when there's an obvious attempt to 
uh, uh, demonize and, and silence somebody because you don't want other people asking questions. And that's what all of this is. I mean, we're used to this coming from the progressives and, and Biden and all that. And we're, we're used to it coming from Fox News. And, and if you watch the Gutfield show, you're going to have a lot of guests that do that. But honestly, usually, if you watch it, it's just stupid. It's, it's just dumb humor. It, Gutfield's the kind of guy who, who you know, uh, uh, farts on his buddy and giggles about it. That's like the type of humor that is. And... You know, strangely enough, because of the situation with all the other over-the-top pretentious, I need to call everybody a racist and I'll suck my own dick humor, that the other comics were doing, that fart humor of Gutfield's rose to the top. And it's just, it's not that like I didn't, I was curious if this would happen. Um, it's not that I didn't expect it, but it is such a, a shift because if you watch his show, and I don't have, I'm not going to play the whole show or anything, but if you actually watch it, the audience that used to be kind of in a silly mood about because it's a silly, stupid thing, and when everybody's acting silly and feeling silly, then it, that's, that energy is contagious. But you can tell that there's been a drastic change in that, and the audience is unsure how to react because these jokes that he's telling – Everybody doesn't agree on. That's the thing about uh, telling these political jokes. And that's why this shit that Colbert and, and all them and Kimmel and, and what he's doing here does not work. For con That's why it gets snapped. That's why people only like it if they already agree with it. it, it it's because in stand-up comedy, when, when you're delivering a joke, you know, you, you're going to have audiences that like you and audiences that you don't. And the more you do it, the more you're going to learn what those audiences are. But... The idea for them to laugh at the joke that you're telling the audience, they have to understand the premise. They, like it just has, they have to clearly go, I got it. Like you have to bring them into the world of your premise, all, almost to where they can see it and feel it. Like, th like they're shaking their head. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been there type thing. I don't mean you have to pander or anything. I just mean you have to communicate the setup to them in a way where you are bringing them along to where you want them to be so that when you uh, reverse it on them, they're blindsided by that reverse or whatever the, uh, the, joke, the punchline style is, and that guttural laughter comes out, right? The punchline is meaningless, and it will never work if they are not able to comprehend the, the, the setup. And all of these setups where they're like, oh, the Palestinians and the, and the Israels and the, and the Ukraine, it's just this... It's like they're trying to teach foreign policy, which they don't even understand, but just complicated idea of it in like a 30-second setup, and then tell a punchline. Nobody's going to laugh at a punchline if they're going, what the fuck did you just say? It doesn't, you, you can't fucking teach calculus in a 30-second setup of a joke and then think people are going to laugh at the punchline. I will let them continue here. That's a... Uh, so that image on screen is uh, AI asked it to generate an image of uh, America being divided and conquered. Now here's Gutfield again on screen is we have images of that same chick that was just talking and, and other members of the squad, which apparently include a guy, that guy who pulled the fire alarm like a jackass too. So that's not really a good addition to their team. They should trade him right now to, to anybody he'll take him. But here's Gutfield again. 
If they build those asylums, they better build them big because tens of thousands of college kids now believe anti-Semitism is something you get extra credit for. Okay, uh, th so that right there, if, if you start, like, I heard that and I kind of, I took a pause. That is a, a Stephen Colbert joke. That, that I, I haven't searched for it yet, but that is exactly the type of joke that Stephen Colbert tells all of the time. And I'm going to try and find it, but I, I bet, I bet that I can find almost that verbatim type joke from Stephen Colbert, probably with anti-Semitism as well. Because, because you, you know what I'm talking about a moment ago? It didn't used to be this show that was accusing people of the isms. I mean, that's what we all hate about the other shows is you're calling everyone a, a, a racism or Islamophobe or, or anti-Semite. That is what we hate about them. And here they are doing the same fucking thing now. I, I just don't, I mean, he must be, they must be forcing him to do this. It feels like he is because he feels a little bit urgent and eager. But nobody fucking, the only people who can get away with, with or the people that I've seen effectively do identity politics humor. Like, you know, back in the day, a lot of people could do it, but not recently. It, it is Chris Rock and uh, number one is obviously Dave Chappelle. His whole entire show was hilarious because the, the way that they did it, the way that they made fun of white people or racism wasn't in a way where nobody agreed with the premise of it. Nobody just, they, they didn't just randomly call people racist and whatever other ism uh, uh, without a, a premise they brought people into. It, it was hilarious because Dave Chappelle specifically, Chris Rock was really good at it back in the day, brought us into a world where even a racist who was watching a show would go, that shit is fucking racist. He's right. He, he, get, he let us see it through his eyes. While this is just a fucking old white dude calling other people, it's, like, it's just like, stop acting, stop being Colbert. It just makes me so angry that he is selling out. This whole show is, I don't, I'm not surprised by it, but God, bringing the isms in, go fuck yourself, dude. They prefer brutal dictatorships. I should take that back because he actually, he brings more in, not just the ism. He also brings in another trope, I might say, that we always hear from Colbert and these other guys. And uh, uh, you'll hear it right here. They better build them big because tens of thousands of college kids now believe anti-Semitism is something you get extra credit for. They prefer brutal dictatorships, one that counter their novel pronouns with a noose. A noose. So now, now we're talking. So now we're bringing it uh, uh, nooses. We're, this is this is a Colbert routine that he gets snaps for and no actual laughter because it's like, yeah, we agree how racist and they love to hang people. What is going on? I know he didn't write the shit. I, 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 I would like to be a fly on the wall in the writers' meeting or the producers' meeting on. Okay, here's what we're doing. We're going full Colbert. We're going full Colbert on this. The fun's over. Number one is about to, we're, we're going to fall. I get, if they keep doing this, they'll plummet. Well, maybe not far down because none of them are good. Like literally, there could be like a show that if somebody would put it on TV where, where the whole show was like a guy is going to come out and he's just going to grab his dick the whole time and, and, and make that noise you did when you're a kid where you put your, uh, your, your, your hands to your face and you make it sound like you're uh, breaking wind. He could do that for 30 minutes 
and that's it. And it would rise to the top and be number one if all of these other assholes continued sucking the propaganda dick the way that they are. Uh, th that's why they're number one, because they didn't do that. Now they're doing that 100%. The, the next clip, he, he gets progressively... I think it would be funny if like the more he did this monologue, the more his face just transformed into Stephen Colbert to where by the end of it, he's just fully Stephen Colbert in a suit. He'd probably be happy. He'd make him a little bit taller. And here he is continuing. So how do we get to a point where young Dems think terrorists are, are the good guys while the state of Israel, the freest nation in the Mideast, deserves to be destroyed? Okay. You see the leaps of logic. We have gone from starting with the censure of Tlaib, which she was censured for allegedly spreading the false narratives, which they do all the time. And they say that, oh, they also accused her of promoting uh, terrorism because she shared a video where people were saying from the river to the sea, which... I'm not even going to get into a fucking debate about that fucking term. Like, it's a glittering generality. So glittering generality is an actual studied uh, um, label that has been given to propaganda ter terms used specifically for propaganda throughout history that is in every single piece of propaganda literature and textbook that's ever been written. And that's what that term is. Just like the term democracy is in there and liberty it is a term that does not have a concrete definition that is vague, yet it evokes powerful emotions from a variety of groups who project their own meaning into it, which enables those who weaponize the term to transform the meaning of it and use it for their own purposes. Okay. So that term has been around long before Hamas has been around. It's been around for, I think, like the 50s or 60s. I don't know. It's been around a while, and a number of different groups have used that term for whatever fucking reason. Some of them have used it for fucking awful purposes, like, we, we, like they're going to exterminate everybody. Others have used it for liberating people who feel like they're uh, uh, enslaved, and even someone running for either prime minister or president, I can't remember off the top of my head, in Israel, it has been a slogan for an Israel candidate for high office. And yet, I didn't know this for like the first three weeks of this. I stupidly was like, oh, well, there's that term that definitely means that anyone who says it is saying that they want to uh, eliminate all the Jews. And then, you know, I didn't even think that much about it because I thought this whole thing was all just like a propaganda. It is a propaganda war and it is, there's a bigger global war they want to get us into. So I just didn't even want to fucking deal with it uh, um, because everybody got so angry about it. It just, it was pissed me off. And it was annoying. Uh, um, but then I was like, you know, I keep hearing this term being said. And then I, I think I said this the other day and I keep seeing young college students who are stupid and people that I know repeating it. And I'm like, they definitely don't want all the Jews to die. So they think it means something else. And I'm not going to go into all that again, but that's when I was like, yeah, maybe I'll look it up. The point is, where, why, why do you feel Greg Gutfield and, and, and uh, you writers to try and deceive your audience 
look, uh, has the audience looked it up like I did or like you guys did? Probably most of them have not. So they're probably effectively doubling down on this stereotype that they have established and created, which they can later push a button and trigger their audience to react in a reflexive way, the same way they might if they see a snake in the desert because it's been programmed into them and become instinctual. System one and system two. It's a, a great book the CIA recommends that their agents read, which talks about uh, um, the system one, the, the reflexive survival instincts, and the system two, which are the cognitive, the, the, the learned, the things that we learn that require uh, what they say are the seven or so things that we can hold into mind at one time and it, it learn with our cognitive resources. And, and the system two stuff that we learn drains our cognitive resources and exhausts us. While system, system one, we don't even have to think about. But the more that we practice and learn the system two shit, the more the system two shit becomes as automatic as the survival instincts. And, and this, is, this is what the media does. The media programs people with uh, a user. They start with system two, but they repeat it one network after the other. Uh, then they get it from their activist groups and they get it from their friends and they get on social media until it just becomes as automatic as reacting to a snake. So you go and, and you say to somebody, as I mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show, this is what I was talking about with the triggering the stereotypes with the language landmines. Someone says, you know, uh, I think someone I know might have been injured by the COVID vaccine. That is a trigger that's been programmed in many progressives to reflexively, like they see a snake, go racist white nationalist instead of, oh my gosh, why do you think that? And this is the shit they do. And it's like everybody recognizes it. Everybody just thinks that they're not going to be bamboozled by it. But we're all fucking bamboozled by it from time to time. That's like one of the biggest things, too, is I just wish everybody could read the the property. It's like a 700-page book of all these letters and shit. It's called Getting Us Into War. It's one of them. Where the the British propagandist Sir Gilbert Parker writing to the Wellington House and Lord Northcliffe, uh, who was the the war propaganda bureau chief uh, for for, uh, Britain back in World War I. And their job was to send sleeper cell agents all over the world and and convince the world to join the war, convince the neutral countries to join the war on the side uh, of Britain and America, like H.G. Wells was one of their agents. They used literary agents. Uh, um, But America did did not want to join the war, was targeted, and they sent sleeper cells over here. And there's correspondence and letters going back and forth from uh, Sir Gilbert Parker to Lord Northcliffe just mocking the fuck out of how stupid we are. And how gullible we are, and especially mocking how gullible and dumb and easy to manipulate our highfalutin uh, uh, um, academics are because they are so confident and arrogant in, 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 in how smart they are that they don't believe anybody could ever fool them, making them the easiest fucking people on the planet to con. And it's like, the second anybody thinks they can't be fooled is the second they become the easiest fucking person to pull the wool over their eyes and, and weaponize for propaganda purposes. And that's what they mocked us about. Here he is. Here's uh, moving, moving on to the next one. We're going to do a few minutes more of this. Well, here's some history that the brats never learned. When Israel became an independent state in the 1940s, progressives supported it. Coming out of World War II, the Holocaust and a history of pogroms It was Jews who were seen as the oppressed. And boy, is that an understatement to call six million people exterminated oppressed. It's like calling me kind of cute. 
African-Americans recalled that Jews had marched with them in civil rights demonstrations. Jews there had been arrested and even killed. Too bad academia loves hiding facts like that. But then a strange thing happened. Israel committed the great unpardonable sin. Much like me, it was successful. Like nobody even knows because it's such awkward energy in the room. Uh, He's got all this awkward... I'm going to take that back. I'm trying to figure out. So that's Martin Luther King there. I'm going to play that again because there was something in that that I, I think I didn't hear there. That Civil rights demonstrations. Out. Jews there had been arrested and even killed. Too bad academia loves hiding facts like that. But then a strange thing happened. Israel committed that. the great unpardonable sin. Oh, they became successful. That, that, that's the thing. So it, it's just this whole tying it to... Th- this is... I mean, this is one of the most... I. I I, I don't, I, I have plenty of Jewish friends. I, I don't give a shit about what, like, this is just all, I, I actually believe that if anybody is anti-Semitic, I believe it's, it's Bibi Netanyahu. Because the person who's responsible for forcing vaccinations on the Israeli population is Bibi Netanyahu. The person who told Jordan Peterson, I played the clips uh, a couple weeks ago, he told Jordan Peterson that he begged Fauci and our government to use Israel as a, a, a petri dish, a, as a lab, a testing ground for all things with a COVID vaccine. Like he, he, he said, we, we forced them to get the vaccines. We'll jab them. Just let us test it out on them. They'll be the guinea pigs. What a piece of fucking shit he is. His people don't like him. He start. He he goes in and he sends all. He, they compel people to fight in the military. They send him over there. Then he goes off in this multi million dollar mansion with a bunker in the safe haven, and you know about his kid in Miami. And then we're told over here that if we point any of that out, if we say, hey. It looks like the guy who's in charge of Israel is a complete fucking asshole who hates his people. They say you're anti-Semitic. No, I, I, he's anti-Semitic. He's fucking anti-Semitic. Not, not people who call out the fact that he's a piece of shit. Okay. And, and what about how, and I'm going to keep emphasizing this because I've been doing it since the first time I learned this piece of information weeks ago. What about the fact that him and the Hamas Richies over there are just fucking leaving each other the fuck alone? They're all fucking pieces of shit that hate their fucking people, okay? And to try and attach them all together, to say that an insult of Bibi Netanyahu is an anti-Semitic insult of everyone in Israel is an insult to everyone in Israel. Just like it's an insult to say uh, that uh, um, uh, uh, Hamas is everyone in, in Palestine. Now, of course, there's going to be exceptions, but the people who say, well, why does this person like some, fuck you, okay, fuck you. No fucking country in the planet has 100% uniform love and adoration for those con artist motherfuckers who are using them as pawns in their global fucking uh, bloodthirst world war uh, game of risk that they're playing. Go fuck yourself because that is exactly what they want people to fucking do. They need people to fucking buy into that fucking conflation of uh, everybody in Israel is Bibi Netanyahu. 
And Bibi Netanyahu is everyone in Israel. Therefore, you insult one, you insult all, and you are with the terrorists. That is a fucking George Bush, go fuck yourself in the ass type of perspective. I'm sick and fucking tired of seeing people that, that I, like, I like, but just spreading this bullshit and, and fucking yelling at people who stop and ask a question. This is what pisses me off. And this goes back to what I was talking about with the vaccine thing earlier. How about instead of fucking jumping onto people's ass, go fucking anti-Semite, you fucking terrorist. How about instead of fucking doing that, how about instead of fucking uh, saying you fucking genocide motherfucker, how about instead of fucking doing that shit? How about what we did was say, well, what led you to that belief? Let's talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. I'd like to understand. And uh, if I can, uh, you know, I'll share with you what I believe. And then you start talking and then, oh, oh well, what, where did you learn that? What, what uh, you know, and you start to, oh, I learned that from here. I learned that from there. And then people are fucking getting an actual understanding of the fucking person they're talking to's knowledge base and they're discovering probably in many instances information that's true that they never learned before that might even change their perspective if their mind is fucking open enough unless they're a fucking cocksucker and they're just well i just want to fucking just get on my fucking team and suck my team's cock on like 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 it's no fucking glory in just committing to sucking the shit out of your team's cock all the time I don't care how fucking false shit is, I'll suck the cock. Like, that's not a fucking noble position to take as fucking cocksucker of my own team, regardless of the reality, whatever the fucking side is. You don't want to be that person, yet everybody is trying to be that fucking person, okay? Who knew that cocksucker of your own team, regardless of reality, was like the top thing everybody would want to be in November of 2023? And that if, if you're not that, wait a minute, I heard you don't suck your own team's cock without question, you fucking anti-Semite, you fucking genocidal maniac. Don't talk to me again until I see 18 dicks in your mouth from your own team. I mean, this is what it feels like to me with the way these motherfuckers are fucking reacting. Now, I think that most people in real life probably don't react this way. I think that social media, it fuels this type of shit because people just want to get in on that fucking, um, that juice uh, of getting likes and getting shares and shit. That's what they fucking want. So they play to that fucking shit and they say the shit that this going to, uh, you know, make their little boner hard so they can bend over and suck it themselves once they get the you know, six or seven likes. I'm just... We're going to destroy society if we continue to be in this intolerant of things that we don't like. I don't even – and I'm going to continue saying this because I unfortunately feel like I need to qualify myself because I don't want to like offend someone or hurt someone's feelings who, who uh, disagrees and uh, has a stronger opinion about one of these sides or the other. My opinion firmly, just to be absolutely fucking clear, is that – the leaders of Hamas who reside in Qatar and are worth $12 billion and are down the street from an, an American, uh, uh, you know, one of our military uh, command centers and are perfectly fine and are being completely left alone by Bibi Netanyahu are motherfucking pieces of fucking trash that can go fucking burn in hell. Okay. I shouldn't even say that. I don't want anybody to burn in hell. I, I don't I, like I, I know I, I could probably get called like a fucking uh, I could, somebody could probably tell me when it comes to the context of this conflict that I'm evil for saying I don't want anybody to burn in hell but I actually do not 
Like, I, I don't know the concept of hell or what you believe, but if hell exists, I actually would prefer, if I had to choose, uh, uh, that everybody could have some sort of redemption and not have to suffer eternity of, of burning in hell. I, like, even the most evil people, I just, it's not like, and there's a lot of people that I do find pretty, pretty evil, uh, um, but I, I just believe that putting, getting people to get this position of we need to fucking make sure people suffer for sure. Like, yeah, you know, I am, I actually am all about like, if, uh, um, if someone's a piece of shit to you, then, then they need to be taught a lesson. Right. But I, I think that that lesson, it can be, you taught the lesson and then, um, okay, do better, you know, do fucking better. I've been taught lessons before you try to fucking do better. Um, now I'm going on some like rant of morality and I just started thinking about like all the crazy ass awful shit that I don't like. Uh, so let, let me, let me you know, take a step back from that. There's um, the world is a dirty place. It's uh it's also a great place. There's also a lot of great people in it. And I think just what I'm saying is I'm just sick and tired of everybody. And I think not everybody, but a lot of people just leaning in a lot of it uh, driven by social media to their, their fucking, you know they're not so great side they're 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 side that that chooses division and polarization because it's the thing to do or because uh, some fucking word that they've been programmed uh, with it was said and and uh, triggered uh, a belief they have about a person that they actually don't know that much about it's just this identity politics everything boils down to identity politics it's the most toxic cancerous thing uh, on the planet right now uh, when it comes to civilization that we all live in and try and share together is this idea that the individual is the same as the group and i'll say it again identity politics doesn't work where it's well everybody in that group is exactly like the best person in that group it never works that way it always works where the group is defined and stereotyped and then programmed into the opposition's mind as the worst person in that group. So nobody has control over how other people perceive them because the person that they also hate, who does dog shit stuff and that they're, they're unfortunately classified with, is the one that they're represented as. To all the people who want to, you know, fight them. And it's like, I'm not that person. Well, yes, you are. You stereo. It's just, I'm on like a really roll ranting here. I don't even know if I'm making sense. Does this stuff get to you guys? It, 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 it's, it's funny to like some of it to make fun of if people can laugh about it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you guys, and this is awful. You know, I'll wait, you know, I'll do like a quick XR and I'll wait. I'll say it in the XR because honestly, if I tell you what I was going to say, so I had like a really bad joke about Halloween that I don't even think I can say without getting my channel kicked off. So I'm going to hold off on that and give you guys a couple more clips and then we'll, <laughs> and then we'll get out of here. And so notice how the energy in the room, five young pro Palestinian workers at a Jewish owned coffee shop in Manhattan just walked off the job over the store's support for Israel. The owner even offered to take them to dinner to talk things out, but they quit instead. The store was on the verge of closing, but then members of the local Jewish community showed up in droves. Some even volunteered to work shifts themselves. So talk about a contrast, a closed fist versus a helping hand. 
<laughs> anyway, it's no wonder our cities are starting to look like Gaza. In that sense, standing up to this growing radicalism makes all of us Israel. It's a similar fight. Luckily here, it won't involve tanks and guns, just votes. I hope. That's, that's crazy. So, so he, he just compared this story about this coffee shop, which I, I looked into it a little bit. I don't know the full details of it. But w- what I did learn about it is, well, this you see one person who's interviewed who owns the shop, and he says that some people who didn't like, that, that you know, had a different opinion. He's a Jewish coffee shop owner, and they apparently are pro-Palestinian, uh, which that's the first red flag that the story raises for me, is the Jewish coffee shop owner had a bunch of baristas that were pro-Palestinian. Maybe, like, I actually hope so. I hope that that's the case because everybody should be working together. Who gives a fucking shit, right? But this presentation that, well, everybody just left and all of the Jewish people in the neighborhood had to show up in droves because these evil monsters who are the, the like, he, he described them as the, the fist. There were baristas who quit and clearly, they didn't need any more baristas because he said people even offered to work, but they didn't need other people to work because they had people to work. But he still described the baristas who quit, which most baristas are like 20 years old and 20-year-olds 20, 20 are stupid. We were all stupid when we were in that age. Everyone that age is stupid, whatever it is. We all were. But he described them as a closed fist, like a, like a, like a war killer versus an open helping hand it's watching this set from front to back and just seeing how everything that made them number one in the ratings was abandoned and he progressively as i said became stephen colbert by doing the non-funny identity politics that made everybody in the audience feel a little awkward and weird because they don't exactly know how to feel or or or, or really agree 100% or even understand with all the information they pump into it's just like overnight he might as well have hired all of Stephen Colbert's um ethnically diverse female writers that he always brags about having you know Stephen Colbert told uh the people who hire his writers he said I don't want any more white men I don't want any more men he demanded to have only no white men which is just like open discrimination right right he demanded no white men. I only want women who write very unfunny jokes about Donald Trump. I think must have been what he said. So, so now it goes on. I probably should have played this clip first, but uh, I don't think this is the one. Hold on. Let me see which one this is. Something. Okay. So this guy, I, I don't even know who this guy is. He's a guest. He has a square face. He's wearing glasses from, it looks like the 1970s. And he sounds like he has um, some sort of oval shaped thing that he's sitting on in his backside. But what he says here is unbelievable. Un-fucking-believable what this guy says. And no one challenges. I'll let you hear it and we'll talk about it for a second. I mean, I was shocked when I heard this. Takes a lot to shock me, too. 
Sometimes you're here to defend your district, and sometimes you're here to defend your country. Our country has stepped forward to say who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. That's it, or you're not a patriot. Mm -hmm. That is the litmus test, and she's failing it. He's talking about Rashida Tlaib, who, again, I usually don't agree with at all, but Congress uh, censuring someone for spreading false narratives, which is what they said. It's what they do all the time. It's a little bit, um, you know, pot calling the kettle black. But he said that sometimes you, you stand up for your district. Sometimes you stand up for your country. And then he said, but the government is telling you who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And if you go with the good guys, you're a patriot. If you just accept what your government tells you wholesale, your government who has spent, I mean, goes far beyond just the past three years with COVID, but who has done nothing but deceive you, who has an intel community that told you that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, who has a president who is very obvious to anybody with a brain is the head of a money laundering operation and uh, who, whose daughter wrote in her diary about how he fucked her up sexually because he used to make her shower with him and whose son is famous for filming himself masturbate while smoking crack while floating in a sensory deprivation. This is like th this guy who is supposed to be like a, a right leaning, I guess, on Fox is saying, Your government is here telling you, you're telling you. They're saying, You sometimes you stand up for your district, something your country. And they're saying, These are the good guys, these are the bad guys. You stand with the good guys, you're not a patriot. And she's failing that test. What a fucking radical you're with us or the terrorist statement to say. I mean, this is what I'm talking about with the right has become the left. This is everything that people who claim to stand up and defend free speech have opposed for the past five or six years. And now motherfuckers like this are becoming what they have fucking gotten rich and popular condemning. I mean, what a crock of shit. The number of people who rose to popularity and made a lot of fucking money by fucking calling out justifiably the fucking bullshit like this on the other side who are now saying fucking radical what a that motherfucker your go, your government is telling you who the good guys are and if you don't go along with them you're not a fucking patriot what do you so what happens you fucking kill them what a piece of fucking shit I mean, this is, and nobody fucking challenged it. No one fucking stood. No one said, hey, wait a minute. That sounds a little bit uh, um, war propaganda-y. I think this is Gutfield's reaction right here. That's a great point because she's like. That's a great point, he says. That's a great point. Um, you'd think that she had competing interests with our country, but she doesn't. The country doesn't even factor in. Right. She has a sole interest. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that was Gutfield's response. He was bold enough to stand up. Oh, he's a former MMA fighter. Ridgeway, so you know who that guy is. That guy's a former MMA fighter. 
And, and here he is talking on this show like this. What do you think of my impersonation of him this way? Either you're with your country or, or your government, you listen to him, or, or you're not a patriot. You know, he can, I don't give a fuck. I'll fucking fight that guy MMA and I'll punch him right in his fucking, like, right in his fucking nuts. Is that legal in MMA? What, what an asshole, dude. Like, like in MMA guys are usually pretty free speech. Now, that's all the gut field shit I'm going through. Ridgeway, if you didn't watch the gut field, you should go back and watch it. But what I was talking about, uh, I'm talking to my friend I see in the chats here, is that this gut field has become Stephen Colbert because uh, he's abandoned everything that made him rise to the top because he is either being pressured or compromised and he is going like fucking hardcore. You must fucking agree with me on Israel or you are, uh, you need to be silenced and, and uh, you're a terrorist. It's just that everything that they claim to be or, or condemn, they, they are now. So what I want to show you guys here is a couple of clips from Ramaswamy and, and the debate. So Ramaswamy, I thought this was, it's, a, it's hilarious, but it's also, most of you have probably, in fact, everybody who watches this show, because I played it and uh, other people who you listen to played it, you all know about, uh, uh, about Zelensky going to the Canadian Parliament and him and Trudeau, blackface Trudeau, standing up and giving two literal standing ovations and a fist, a triumphant fist pump to an actual World War II Nazi, a 98-year-old who his uh, his battalion or, or whatever they called it, his uh, SS uh, um, unit was praised they, they, they pledged allegiance to Hitler and ethnic cleansing, and his unit was praised by, by uh, uh, was it, what's his name? The guy starts with an H. I was going to say Heimlich, but that's probably not his name. Uh, um, you know who I'm talking about. He was praised by that guy, like their main military guy, for their willingness to murder Jewish Poles in mass, this guy who Zelensky praised and, and everybody else in the Canadian parliament. And the dude was interviewed uh, years ago about his time during World War II. And he said during the interview, and it sounds a lot like what George Soros said about his time, he said that it was the best time of his life. So the time of his life when he was praised for his willingness to murder Polish Jews in mass, mass, after pledging allegiance to Hitler and ethnic cleansing, was the best time of his life. And Volodymyr Zelensky, who the American taxpayers have given billions of dollars to, who, who the and weapons to, and weapons and money that have been funneled down to the Azov Battalion that is in his military. Now, it doesn't make up his whole military, but it's in his military. Swastika tattooed Nazis in his military, and a president. Not only that, praising this guy, right? So, so we all know that that happened and, and just nobody talks about it, right? I am willing to bet that this debate was the first time that anybody who watches NBC News where this, where this debate was ever heard a reference to this guy we've been giving all our money to and supporting praising Nazis because the left-leaning media covered it up and never talked about it. And after Vivek said that, or said this thing I'm about to play, they went into overtime with this unbelievable coordinated messaging campaign to try and just flip reality on its head about what Vivek meant. I'm going to play it first just for people who hear it, and then I'll play you the, the response to what he said. 
which is just like crazy as shit. Ukraine is not a paragon of democracy. This is a country that has banned 11 opposition parties. It has consolidated all media into one state TV media arm. That's, That's true. That's democratic. all true. It has threatened not to hold elections this year unless the U.S. forks over more money. That is not true. democratic. It has Very celebrated true. a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. Uh, okay, so that, that, there, that's the, the comment from uh, about Zelensky, right? Now, Vivek is speaking quickly, right? I heard that, and I think every, all of you who heard that, you immediately knew what he was talking about. He's a fast talk, kind of like me, I'm a fast talker as well. Kind of pushed his words together. And he even said after the fact, he explained what, what he meant. But he didn't need to explain what he meant because anybody who's being honest knows that he was not calling Zelensky a Nazi. He was saying that Zelensky was the one, the, the comedian in cargo pants, who praised the Nazi in the ranks of the Canadian parliament. Okay, He was rattling off a bunch of shit. And what the media did was they intentionally misinterpreted this. I'm going to let him finish what he's saying here because he says some other shit that's good. And then I'm going to play you the media's intentional misinterpretation of what he's very obviously stating right here. Unless the U.S. forks over more money, that is not democratic. It has celebrated a Nazi in its ranks, the comedian in cargo pants, a man called Zelensky, doing it in their own ranks. That is not democratic. More facts for you that you won't hear from the mainstream in either party or the mainstream media. The regions of Ukraine that are occupied by Russia right now in the Donbass, Luhansk, Donetsk, these are Russian-speaking regions that have not even been part of Ukraine since 2014, that other people probably couldn't that's name true. those provinces I mean, for true. you. Those are the hard facts. And so to frame this as some kind of battle between good versus evil, don't buy it. That's true. And that's what they try. He's 100% correct on that, uh, on what he said there. Now, here, the headline, as I said, uh, uh, I did a double take when I started seeing these headlines pop up, where uh, Vivek puts out the worst performance in GOP debate history, calls Zelensky a Nazi. I'm like, wait, De Vivek is the only one that did anything in that debate. He's the only one that didn't say the exact same thing as everybody else. And he call, the, when he called Nikki Haley's daughter out for TikTok, that, that, was, that was funny. And when he challenged the media... When he said, you need to tell, he said to the moderators, you need to tell me if Russia Gate was. And I get Vivek, Vivek, the enunciator, the articulator, I like to call him. Uh, you know, I'm not, I get that there, he has a background that some people will talk about. I'm just talking about the messages that he delivered were the most entertaining and the most truthful in that debate compared to the other ones. And here is uh, MSNBC, what's her name? describing what she says and everybody else in the media in a coordinated campaign because they do not want their audience thinking about the fact that they've been with their tax dollars supporting someone who gave two standing ovations to a Nazi whose military has Azov Battalion swastika tattooed uh, members in it because they're going to be encouraging people to support World War III and they need their audience to see Zelensky in Ukraine as the good guys, and they need them to see Putin and all that side as the Nazis. So this creates a, a, a problem for them, and whenever there is inconvenient information that, that is presented, they have to either censor it, as I was talking about at the top of the show, or they have to jump on it with a coordinated media-wide campaign. This was very, very coordinated. And take control of the narrative about it 
and establish what it what it actually means in the heads of their audience members before their audience can go, hey, what did he mean by that Nazi thing? And then start doing some fucking research on their own and go, holy fucking shit, all my tax dollars to a guy who sucked a Nazi's dick in the Canadian Parliament uh, um, uh, after you know, Blackface Trudeau knocked him away because that guy craves Nazi dick more than anybody on the face of the earth. Now, now here's the MSNBC talking yeah, about Yeah, freeform right-wing podcaster Vivek Ramaswamy quite literally... Wait, wait a second. She called him freeform right-wing podcaster? The guy has started, like, billion-dollar companies. You had freeform right-wing podcaster Vivek Ramaswamy quite literally calling Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky who is Jewish, by the way, Oh wow. a Nazi, real presidential, real presidential. So, so, you know, I'm going to see, I might as well put this up since I'm doing a long one anyway. I want you guys to notice, you see, you see the photo of, of, uh, the vague they have on there. They have the vague doing the, the three-pointer sign, which the ADL a few years ago identified as a racist white national uh, symbol, which is stupid as hell. Uh, but I, I meant to play the entire moment of debate where he faked us. So I, I want you to see how they, leading up to that, she was describing things that every other candidate said, and she treats, she plays clips of them. And then she gets to Vivek and she says, Vivek called him a Nazi. And then she, she just, she doesn't play a clip. She just skips right over it. And it's like, oh, well, that's pretty, that's pretty obvious that you're just trying to lie about this Ukrainian shit. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who is Jew. That's the wrong one. Uh, let me see. All right. I might not have it ready, readily available. I was hoping that I would, but I'll just tell you what, what she did. She, she plays a clip of DeSantis. She plays a clip of, of Nikki Haley, and she plays a clip of Tim, the heterosexual Scott. And she says, they did this and they did that. And then, bam, there's a clip. And then comes to Vivek, and they're like, oh, he's a Nazi. I'm not going to prove anything that I just said. Which, by the way— and, but what she does do is she brings on a couple of guests to comment on how bad it was that Vivek called Zelensky a Nazi, and one of them calls for Vivek to be banned from the next debate. Censor him. A Nazi. Real presidential. It's crazy. Censor him because he, he did a made-up thing we, we and The said. only time we hear about and opposition to Nazism is Vivek Ramaswamy calling the president of, uh, calling Vladimir Zelensky a Nazi. He's Jewish. So there is this sort of weird play they're doing there. There's her double down on that. And so she asked him to comment on him, this thing that they completely fabricate. So everybody on that panel knows that they're talking about something that's not true. Now, there's not one of them that thinks that he meant that he was calling. They all know that he's talking about Zelensky and the Canadian parliament praising him, but they're all just acting and making shit up. And they're taking it even a step further. These people are insufferable. And I thought that comment that Ramaswamy made about, uh, you know, a president of Ukraine, a Jewish president being a Nazi. I had the depressing realization that I've been to over 40 Republican primary debates in my life. And I think that may have been the worst moment in all of them, 
And let me tell you, there's been some really bad moments before <laughs> yeah. with really ridiculous people. But yeah. that was disgraceful. He should drop out of that race. The party should censor him. He should not be on a stage uh, being able to give him a platform for hate speech. I agree. Hate and, speech. And, and ostensibly, he's running to be commander in chief and the person who would have to deal with Volodymyr Zelensky. How would he sit across a table from him, having called that Jewish man a Nazi, somebody who is facing an onslaught <laughs> from Russia, who's trying to invade and occupy his country? How would he even sit across from him? He's not a serious human being. He's he he's not a serious human being. The people you have a guy here who's sitting on this panel who looks like someone who might pop his head over the top of a, a, a men's bathroom stall in a gay club and try to pay you to blow you. And, and they're talking about how Vivek said something that they know that he never said and how he should be censored and kicked off of the debate for this thing we made up. And he's not the serious fucking person. The problem here is that there's some fucking people who just swallow this bullshit whole. What I was talking about at the beginning of the show, the, the friends that I know believe this shit. They believe this shit. I have talked to friends of mine who I asked them, I've told this before, but I'm going to tell it again, where I've said to them, hey, you know about Jeffrey Tubin on CNN, right? And they said, what? I said, you know that Jeffrey Tubin, this is back when he was still working there. I said, you know that CNN's chief legal analyst for the past year, well, I mean, he was their chief legal analyst before, but you know that he's been working there the past year after what I'm about to tell you happened. You know that he was suspended for a couple of weeks because during a Zoom meeting with female colleagues, he pulled his webcam down, pointed it directly at his dick, and started jerking off during the CNN Zoom meeting with his female co-workers. And he acted like he didn't, you know, because he's so frequently just, you know, Zoom meeting, we're, we're taking a break for water. Well, I'm taking a break, you know, quick wank, you know, chalking the old pool cue. He just so frequently do, does that that he just happened to leave the camera on. And, you know, by the way, you know, lucky ladies is really what it is. He, my friend didn't know that. He didn't know that that happened. And then Tubin came back. His name is fucking Tubin. And he, and he jerked off on a Zoom call. Tubin jerked off on a Zoom call. And then a year after that, he was still CNN's chief legal analyst. Analyst is probably a better way to, to describe it. But, but my friend was shocked to hear that because he never consumed any news outside of CNN, who's definitely not going to say, let's welcome back to the show. Chief legal analyst and masturbator on camera, Jeffrey Tubin. This is not the, how they're going to present him. People, don't, they don't get any information outside of the bullshit. And they believe this shit. I bet, I don't know, think about your progressive friends that you have, everybody listening. Ask them the next time you see them if they know that Zelensky, pull the video up and have it ready. If they know that Zelensky gave an actual World War II Nazi who was praised for his unit's willingness to murder Polish Jews, a 98-year-old dude who said it was the best time of his life, ask them if they know that him and Trudeau gave that guy two standing ovations and never apologized for it. Like, you know that he's never fucking apologized for it. 
Never. And what happened after that is, well, something that you would expect is Poland demanded he be extradited and charged with fucking war crimes. Okay. And Zelensky never says a word about it. And they blamed one guy. They, they blamed one fucking guy. They said it was a sp- guy's, this one person's fault. He's the speaker and he just let him in. Okay. So that one guy snuck a fucking Nazi in the back door, set him in the most prominent seat in the fucking room. And then everybody happened to stand, stand like that seems like your vetting process is a little weak if that's the case. Or maybe everybody fucking knew he was a fucking Nazi. Look at the smirk on this guy's face here. I think that that's the end of that clip there. Uh, uh, yeah, let's get rid of that there. Justin says, every time someone stammers like that dude, you know, they're probably like, it's just every time someone speaks on MSNBC, it's like they're fucking lying is really what it is. So I'll do one more quick one. Let me pull this up because I said I would do it in the beginning. Is Mike, not Mike, uh, um, Tim Scott actually produced his girlfriend. So during the debate last night, I was demanding, or Wednesday night, I was demanding that Tim Scott produce that girlfriend to, pr- to prove his heterosexualness, which I think is a mistake. I think, it's, uh, I think Tim Scott does better if he is a black gay man who is Trump's vice president, but he did bring his girlfriend out. I had recommended that Tim Scott start going to campaign rallies with a t-shirt on that says heterosexual across his chest, but he hasn't done that yet. But he did bring his alleged girlfriend up on the stage. Let me share it with you here. See if you guys can see that. Um, I have to tell you, I'm not convinced here. Uh, I'm definitely not convinced. Let me, uh, all right, hold on. I think this is, okay, yeah, here she is. So the article's from the New York Post. Who is Tim Scott's girlfriend? Meet Mindy Nosey, N-O-C-E. It's so, eh, eh, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying this whole thing here. It's been pulled that when these Republican candidates attack the former president, even though they're trying to beat him and they're running against him, it actually hurts them. Yeah, that's there right. Tom. There was such a cautious manner in which these candidates tried to separate themselves from the front runner who's been dominating this race. For those listening, for those just listening, Tim Scott is walking up onto the stage while these people are doing commentary. He's like getting his picture taken. He do it in a way where they, there they are. Basically- that's her. That's his. That's his girlfriend. Tim Scott's in his sixties. He looks good for his age. She looks like she's maybe in her. Probably 30s, maybe, maybe late 30s. Wrap their criticisms of Donald Trump in praise of his presidency there because they they're are. trying to give a permission what structure to think? his voters. D- to say, does this yes, look? I liked him then, or I liked elements. Look, of look, all right, so that's what that's what I take notice of, and, and, and anybody can have a weird little thing. I wanted to see a full makeout session personally. I wanted to see him grab some titty. Like until I see Tim Scott grabbing some ass and titty in front of people, a little bit of disgusting PDA sticking his tongue down this lady's throat, I'm I'm gonna think it's all a little bit of a, a little bit of a ruse, and it just felt like that little departure there. Like you know, maybe she just didn't want to be there, and and I know I'm I'm giving Tim Scott a hard time. Uh, maybe he doesn't know he's gay yet. It's just I'm just. Encouraging him is the best thing for for him if he wants to be Trump's VP. Is that? Let's watch this little interaction here again. Structure to his voters to say, "Yes, I liked him then, or I liked." There's the pull away. He doesn't like it, even if he's not the candidate for me now. 
That's it. So that, that's all we got. That's the that's what we got from Tim Scott's girlfriend. The article says that he finally debuted his mystery girlfriend after months of speculation and growing curiosity about the Republican presidential hopeful's love life. The, oh, he's 58. I thought he was 60. The 58-year-old caused a frenzy when he brought his blonde gal pal, Mindy Nose, 47. Oh, she's older than I thought, um, out onto the stage of the third uh, GOP presidential primary debate in Miami. The couple, who Scott says have been together for... We've been together about a year. It's kind of how Tim Scott talks. My, my girlfriend, I really like to get some of that ass with my girlfriend. She's super sexy. Super sexy bitch. I just feel like that's the way he t- talks about it. Um, the couple says they've been together about a year, and they were spotted clutching hands at one point. During they post for They weren't spotted. They were up on stage taking pictures. It's not spotted. That's why they were there. And who is Mindy Nose? She's a mom of three who lives in Charleston, South Carolina. Interesting. She works as an interior designer for the Charleston-based Atlantic Properties, a real estate firm. She's a runner and she's a tennis enthusiast. And she's a self-described mover and shaker with a creative eye and a love for gay people. I mean, love for people. And what her background is, is that she studied at the College of Charleston where she majored in health science and uh, she's, blah, blah. there she is. She's pretty. I mean, she's very pretty. There she is in a nice house, no furniture. Looks like a staging area to me. She divides her time between the coastal uh, enclave of the uh, Isle of Palms in Charleston's Daniel Island for almost 20 years. And she's previously been described by Scott as, a, as a, I, I'm dating a lovely Christian girl because I, I, I'm heterosexual, and uh, it's what heterosexual men like me who love vagina do. I just love some vagina on my face. Uh, love me some vagina. Um, past relationships and family life, it's unclear how old her children are. And there was no details immediately available about her past relationships or who their father is, the father of her children. And her Instagram feed is filled with photos of interior design work and She's posted photos. She hasn't posted any photos of her kids or her family on her account. Maybe she's just a private person. That's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. But before he introduced her to the country, he was teased. Uh, he was teased that he was dating a lovely Christian girl that he met through church from a friend. Is that what he says? And in an in-depth piece on his love life. Who, who writes an in-depth piece on his love life? The Washington Post reported that him and his uh, girlfriend were using an app to study the Bible together. And they play pickleball together. And they went on a date to the zoo. Our first date was we played pickleball together. And then we went to the zoo. And all I could, I couldn't even focus on the animals because all I could think about was vagina. Because heterosexual men, that's what we think about. And she says that he was tight-lipped about it because he can't imagine dragging her. I like Tim Scott, honestly. I don't believe this relationship. I think it's fake. I think it's a fake relationship. Yeah, but she's hot, though. So, it's, I mean, she's, it sucks because, like, if, it's, if it is fake, he's got him a hottie and he doesn't know what to do. He's just, I hope it's real and I wish him all the best. That would have to be a challenging situation because he was getting a lot of pressure for not having a wife and everyone thought he was gay. That's, that was kind of like 
the rumor. And then there was that clip of someone asking him, I think on CNN, uh, uh, about a girl, no, it was Fox about a girlfriend. And he was like, uh, yeah, of course I have a girlfriend. I, she has a, she's got a perfect vagina and she's a great Christian. It is just the most awkward exchange ever. And then it's almost like he said that and they're like, we need to find this woman or maybe, or maybe he's genuinely a pimp and he's dating this, this hottie, he's 47 years old and he's a bad, you know, mother effer. I hope that's the case. Whatever. That's going to be the show for today. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Yet another marathon. Justin, thank you for uh, popping into the chats here. You know, Justin was going to be a guest on the show the other day. We'll have to, we'll have to get him on again. We had a lot of fun, but we'll, we'll, we'll have a lot of fun again. Justin, you missed fake Trump who was on shortly before you popped into the chats. He joined us for a little bit earlier. All right, guys, I appreciate you guys hanging out and I appreciate all the support and I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day. We'll see you guys next time. And that's a wrap.